everyone, welcome to another episode of Megatron Star Wars. I am your host, Lee. I am here. I am joined by my co-host, Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, it's been a long time coming. An epically long time coming. But it looks like, it seems like, it feels like, we're actually going to wrap up our coverage of the Book of Boba Fett. That's right, folks. We released our coverage of Chapter 5 last week. This week, we are going to review Chapter 6 and 7, two whole episodes at one time. Spencer, how are you feeling? Intimidated. I'll be curious to see how many hours this takes. You and I usually can up to double the length of an episode in our discussion of it. So are we going to spend the greater part of three plus hours talking about these two episodes? It remains to be seen. I honestly do not know how long we're going to go, but uh, I am excited about it. I mean, I, I, oh, I think we can roll. I think we can roll through it. Um, maybe not quite as close to the actual scenes and the dialogue as we normally do in an effort to get through it. Um, but we thought we would we'd go ahead and, and review both these episodes at one time because we view them as sort of a extended episode, really. Yes. And it kind of was, right? It's kind of a two-episode finale where they did sort of an hour and a half, hour, 45-minute thing. Uh, before we jump into that, let's do a little housekeeping here. This is a Mangum Talks podcast. If you like listening to me and Spencer Gap, and I would suspect you do, you did click on this, you are listening, I would go to MangumTalks.com and check out all of our other wonderful coverage that we have done we've done many different television shows different movies just different topics different all kinds of stuff we did an episode on anime that's right i watched anime and we talked about it and over my dead body we will do it again i will persuade all of you to continue with that show at some point i'm not against will be discussed you can check out all of our stuff at mangotalks.com or go into your favorite podcast provider heck even the one you're listening to right now and type in Mango Talks. Those are the keywords. That's right, folks. I tagged it. Those are the keywords, and you can check out all of our stuff. Um, I think the only thing I really want to plug, Spencer, is on this particular podcast feed. This podcast feed is not going to die. It's not mm. dead when we are done with the Book of Boba Fett because we have the Obi-Wan series coming up at the end of May, and I am all kinds of pumped about it, and Spencer has whittled away his fingernails, nervously <laughs> eating his fingernails about this series. Spencer, how are you feeling? You know, it seems like you're kind of up and down every day on the Obi-Wan series. How are you feeling right now? I want it to be good. That, that's the issue I run into with so much of Star Wars, is that it, I know I've got just this kind of cynical outlook on all of it, but it's not coming from a place of me wanting it to fail. I want it to be good. I want it to be awesome. I want to feel the just a childlike nostalgia rush that only Star Wars is capable of. I've just been disappointed so many times before, and I know that this show will be at either end of that spectrum for me. Yeah. I don't know. I think sometimes it's self-fulfilling prophecy. You expect to be disappointed, you might be disappointed. So right, let's get rosy. Let's get rosy with our outlook. I think it's going to be good. You and McGregor back, Hayden Christensen back. I think that premieres May 20th, something like something along those lines, and we will be here soon after with our coverage of episode one. But the issue at hand today is we are going to finally wrap up the book of Boba Fett. These last two episodes, Spencer, were pretty controversial online. Now, I'll say this. Oftentimes, when things like this are controversial online, it doesn't necessarily line up with the aggregate data, right, that we have about the series, right? Because everything we can tell about this series is that it was successful for Disney. Great ratings. People continue to stream it a lot. A lot of merch sold. But the loudest people, the people who feel compelled to get online and write a review or get on Reddit message boards or whatever, seem to have big problems with these two episodes. What did you think kind of at a macro level? Well, it was fun to rewatch them because it had been a couple months since I last did so. I forgot how good episode six is. Woo! And how, 
Episode 6 is fighting for being the best episode of Book of Boba Fett. I, th I still would put it a little bit below Episode 5, but it has some of the best moments, possibly the individual best moments in the entire series, in my mind. Episode 7, I think its biggest problem is that, A, even the Book of Boba Fett has kind of struggled with, uh, even Mandalorian has struggled with large set-piece battles, and that's kind of all it is for, like, 45 minutes of its hour-plus run. And I also think it's... It, it suffers by where it is located. It's following up the best two episodes of this series, and while it's not the worst episode of Book of Boba Fett, it just pales in comparison, and that kind of casts it in an even worse light. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, I kind of liked them. Uh, I really liked episode six. I thought episode six was the best episode for me of the series, as far as just my personal entertainment. Mm -hmm. I liked episode seven fine. I mean, it, it was always going to be a battle with the Pikes. So I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I guess we'll get into the finer details as we do the recap. And that leads me to what our agenda is for today. So we typically do a recap. I will lead the recap and we'll do a recap through episode six and seven. Then we'll talk about best line of the episode. We'll do nostalgic moment of the episode. And then we will put our robes on to send into the gladiatorial pit and do thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Was this better, worse, or about on par with a standard episode of Mandalorian? I think we can do... Maybe a rating for each episode. I think that might make sense here. I think it's fair, yeah. Um, <clears throat> anything else you want to cover before we jump into our recap of episode six? Let's get going. Woo! Let's do it. Okay, episode six titled, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. Who do you think they're referring to there? I did not expect who it was. E even I know who the stranger is, even, even though I have not watched Clone Wars. But what, among the many characters in the Star Wars lexicon, never would have even possibly guessed him. Yeah, it's pretty interesting who we get. We'll talk about that reveal as we get into it. So the recap focuses heavily on the conversation about Grogu, as well as the tension between the Pike Syndicate and Boba and his folks. Not a surprise there, right? We knew we were going to probably get a little bit more Grogu uh, because Mando at some point is going to link back up with Boba. And we also know that the Pike Syndicate is not going away. And we'll have to resolve that storyline before the end of the series. Mm -hmm. So the recap does end with, first, I have to pay a visit to a little friend. Pretty fucking exciting. Uh, that had me dancing at the end of our, our coverage of last episode. And then we get the opening. Starts with some pikes who have a speeder and some cargo. Then we see, ah, that's him. The cutest Cobb man, in the, the, the best looking man in the Star Wars universe. Timothy Olympiad. Uh, Cobb Vance. Uh, he's just, he is meant to be a marshal in everything he plays. He just has such perfect swagger for it. Yeah. No, have you ever heard him talk in real life? I actually don't know what his natural accent is. No. He's like the most California, like fucking avocado toast for breakfast every morning, like guy. He is so California. So it's really, he really is character acting here. This is not Timothy Olympiad. Um, he's done it in a lot of different roles in a lot of different settings, and he always plays it well. Kudos he to does him. Have the, he seems to have that muscle for sure. He shows up, and uh, we have a proper Western showdown. He explains that everything out there, to everything out there, is the most pale goo territories. And uh -huh. he says he doesn't know what arrangements. That they have with the uh, folks in Mos Espa, and hell, in Mos Eisley, anything goes. That made me laugh. Like I chucked, yeah. I chuckled. Yeah, the Mos yeah. Eisley, every anything goes. It, anything goes there, probably. Uh, but here, he's the boss. Damn it, I'm the boss around here, and he tells them to uh, just get out of here. Chalk it up to you guys reading the map wrong. One of them makes a move. Cobb, boop, 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 kills everybody. He's a quick not, draw. Not everyone. One, everybody but one. one. Everybody but one. But he he could have killed that guy. One. Easily yeah. could have killed that guy. He is 
mows these guys down like no problem. I really like that he is trying to talk. And that he even gives another guy the another opportunity to back down and talk. I appreciate that. Because it seems so often like, you know, modern kind of Star Wars or Marvel, whatever else, the hero just kind of shoots first and asks questions later and just kills all the goons. So having somebody actually kind of work seemingly like a police officer and try to de-escalate the situation, appreciated that. Yeah, me too. He tells him he has a proposition. The, the one guy who's left, he tells him he has a proposition for his bosses. And that is anybody who gets lost running spice through the most Pelgo territories will be lost forever. Woo, what a line. And he tells him to leave the chest. And the guy's like, hey, uh, this is worth more than your town. And Timothy and Olympia says, maybe I'll retire early. Do we know exactly why the Pikes are bringing Spice to Tatooine? Because Spice doesn't come from Tatooine. This isn't Dune. This isn't the Spice Melange. Spice comes from, like, you know, Kessel or the Twilight Home world. Are they just using Tatooine as, like, a way station to move their goods? I think they're selling it to people who are who are using the drug on Tatooine. Okay, so there's use, this is a market for their goods. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're making dope fiends out of the people of Tatooine. This is why Boba has such a big problem with it. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's not necessarily the fact that like they're moving a good through his town. It's the fact they are moving drugs into his town to sell to his people. That's what I've always taken it as. Okay. It, it, I wasn't sure. We've never actually seen anybody use the, the spice on the show. We've never really. Yeah, it is still a Disney show. Effects. I don't think they're going to actually show him shooting up. I would have appreciated it somewhat. But again, this is a part of the fan base kind of hoping this show would be darker than it was, but it's still very much Disney. Kind of shown by the fact that Boba Fett, our, you know, assassin, bounty hunter, badass, murderer from countless legends material, has moral qualms on spice, whereas our hero, Han Solo, made most of his career being a drug runner. But that was under the prior era, and this is under the new era. Yeah, I mean, right in your explanation, right, you, you talk about what Boba Fett was in Legends. So you're, 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 you're definitely... I know. We yeah, adjusted in, in, what our characters are focused on and what their, where, the, where their moral lines in the sand are. Right, and they've also made Han darker in the, in the new canon, right? Because um, in the final three, or the final, uh, the episode seven, uh, I guess it was, um, when they rebooted everything and, and Harrison Ford came back, I mean... He was kind of a deadbeat dad. He was shitty. Like, I mean, Han was not a great guy um, for the for the last 20 years. Have they expanded that in the books? Because so much of that was off was off camera. And so we didn't get really much of a feel of what that process of him, you know, not necessarily abandoning, but not being a great dad to his son was. No, they don't really cover the main characters in a lot of the books. Um, uh, not not during except, the period except, of the of the movies. Except Leia, you've told me. Uh, yeah, but that was before that. That's before the the new movies start. But yeah, they do have a Leia book. Um, so Timothy Olivia kicks over the box of spice, which I guess is worth millions and billions of credits and super super expensive, and it just blows off in the wind. And then we get cut to the credits, and it's um, we get the the title um, from the desert comes a stranger. Would you have Would you have you just opened the bag of cocaine and just leave it to the winds, or would you have been like? You know what? I could actually sell this to help my people, and you know, where would you have a moral line in the sand on the subject of these illegal drugs? Uh, would I have sold the drugs? Would I have become a drug dealer simply because uh, the guy? No, I would not. I would you not have. have. I would not have changed my career of being a marshal of the town to drug dealer. No, you Spencer. Can, you, can, you can have multiple hats, and you can wholesale off world. But that's going to be a that's going to be a hard no. I probably would have dumped it over understood. too. I mean, these are these are anti-drug people, Spencer. They have a problem with people uh, using uh, it. 
Uh, apparently, this is a very anti-drug show that we are confronting here, and very anti anti-drug anti-heroes slash crime bosses we're running into too. Yeah. Oh shucks! I, if only they'd been shooting up Disney. You have no guts. I, I would have appreciated if I found out exactly how people actually use spice because I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That is probably covered in a book somewhere. I, I just I'm don't sure. know it. Um, I'm sure. Mando flies into a planet on his new fancy Nabu cruiser. What a ship. Whew, that thing flies around, doesn't it? And we see an antenna. Ah! Ah! R2 returns. This isn't Yavin 4, right? It didn't see like any temples or whatever else. This is just. I, I didn't recognize this planet, did you? No, I did not. And, and it didn't seem. There was nothing on it other than forest to give us any clues. I don't think yeah. it's meant to be. Something we recognize, to be quite honest. I think it's supposed to be like Luke basically just went way the fuck out somewhere else. Um, nice, picturesque forest planet, perfect for some Jedi training. Yeah, and we get a sort of comical sequence of Mando slowly walking behind R2 as R2 takes him somewhere. Strolls. Um, yeah, and then we see uh, builder droids. The builder droids was a really cool effect. Those things like were those pretty, pretty neat. I like the little ant effect of them all working in mass and having even being kind of ant shaped. That was that was a nice little touch because I can imagine those being like, oh, this is actually how construction happens on a lot of planets. It's just with these semi-autonomous droids just going. Yeah, but I'll tell you this: <clears throat> the little bit they showed us of the builder droids working, they'd be done in about ten minutes. So I don't, you know, it didn't it didn't seem like a, a days long affair. This particular stone hut was for that day. They do other huts on other days. Apparently, yeah, they'd have to. Um, and uh, then R2, pro that he is, gamely shuts down. Love it. We see Maps, that. Very useful. Yeah, we see that again in, in um, the, the, the sequel movies mm. where R2 shuts down when he's not around Luke and he doesn't come back online for a very long time. Mando gets a little yeah. irritated. He yells at him, don't shut off, wake up. But R2 does what R2 wants to do. Mm-hmm. Uh and then the Builder Droids make Mando a bench, which I thought was pretty funny. And Mando just sits the fuck down. Hey, looks honestly kind of cozy. It's like, R2 clearly arranged this. He's taking a nap. He's inviting you to take a nap. Take a load off for a minute, man. Do, 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 do. Mando waits. It's the waiting game for Mando. Smash cut to later. It's a beautiful planet they're on. I gotta it say is. that. Here's the thing, right? Here's what this is. When a kid... Like, like, all right, here's an example. So when a kid has like a military dad, right? Mm-hmm. The military dad's like, I don't care what you do every morning. You get up, you make that bed. Or we're going to have some problems around here. You make that bed. And every morning until he's 18 years old, this kid makes the bed. What does the kid do when he moves out on his own, Spencer? Just utterly destroys his bed on sheer principle. Refuses to make the bed. That's what this planet is. It's Luke's unmade bed because Luke had a fucking enough of Dagobah. So he has got a beautiful planet. <laughs> He's taking it easy, going among the bamboo forest. It's going to be great. I will not be in another swamp. We are going to be in a beautiful planet where I have great Mm -hmm. views. And that is where Luke settled for his Jedi school. It is a absolutely beautiful planet. And they do some great cutaways, some big, vast landscapes uh, during this episode. I thought this was, I thought everything about this planet and everything that they do was awesome. I loved it all. and based on the stone hut, this is the same planet that we do see flashbacks from in the in the new movies, right? That this is the planet where he decides to make a school. That I mean, you could infer that. We don't know for sure, right? Um, I don't know. 
it looks like a similar kind of dome hut. He seems to like those dome stone huts that he's, he's building whatever else. And we didn't, we a lot of us assumed that the school was on Yavin 4 because of the Legends books and the movies, but they never actually said that. We never actually spent time with it. So it's perfectly possible this unnamed forest planet is the foundation of where the school is going to be. Maybe, maybe. Um, you, we don't know. But it, also the, the way it's built, it does kind of look like the Jedi Temple that we also see in The Last Jedi. So it all, yeah. very similar building structures. Then we see Luke meditating, and my guy, is that Grogu's music? Ladies and gentlemen, Grogu is he back returns. in the building. Woo! I am so happy. K- kudos to the uh, tech people behind the show. The animation quality on Luke's face dramatically improved this episode compared to where it was in the last in the last, last episode of, um, of Mandalorian. So here's the thing, right? In the 70s, when they watched TV, it looked crystal clear. That's what could it to them. They were looking at that going, that's crystal clear. Here's my question for you, Spencer. Yeah. Am I watching TV in the seventies? Because this looks like just a regular dude. This does not look, this looks to me like they have, they have reached the apex of technology. This just looks like a normal human. I mean, it just shows the quality of technology we're seeing, even just like in the last few years of Star Wars. Like um, in Rogue One, when we got, when they brought back Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tart, Grand Moff right. it yes. looked okay, but mm. it looked like a cartoon. Yeah, and Leia um, didn't look that good either. No, Leia did not look great. And then we cut to like last episode of Ma- of, uh, of Mandalorian. Look, look fine, but it was a certain. There was a certain element of just we were so happy to see Luke. We didn't care that the mouth didn't necessarily work perfectly. This, this episode looks almost flawless. The actual kind of tone of the voice sounds like a little bit recorded and pasted on, but the animation on Luke's face looks great. It just looks like Luke. I don't, uh, maybe yeah. I'm, again, maybe I'm watching TV in the 70s. Maybe in 20 years I'll look back on it and go, oh yeah, that was obviously bad. But right now to my eyes, my 2022 eyes, that looks perfect. I'm okay. um, uh, sitting across from him is the MVP of the series, Grogu meditating, I think. I think Grogu might be napping, but a frog comes over. And in any case, that breaks concentration or sleep. Priority. Frogs, of course, delicacy to my man Grogu catches it in the air because here's what we know about Grogu. You push him in the corner, he can use the force. If he's hungry, he'll use the force. So he uses the force, he catches the frog in the air. And particularly, if there is a frog, man will use the force to get that frog because Grogu needs a frog stack. And he is super quiet, bringing that frog over. Super duper quiet. Almost gets it in the mouth. Almost. I'm rooting for Grogu. Get him the damn frog that he never gets to eat. And mm-hmm. Luke wakes up. Whoop. And it drops. Grogu. Mm-hmm. Disappointed dad. Did not. Did seem as though that might not have been the first time that occurred. Uh, between yeah, Luke absolutely. and Grogu. Absolutely. Here's what I like about the interaction. Is that Luke gets Grogu. And has patience with him. And even seems to get a little bit of a kick out of him. Yeah. Um. I- he gets the charm. We get like 15 minutes of Luke training Grogu in the course of this episode, and it just feels so damn authentic for how Luke would be training Grogu. The patience, the understanding, the diligent efforts, the working with him and kind of moving it along. Can we get a show of Luke being a Jedi Master training students? Because I am all here for it, based on the 15 minutes we see in this episode. 
I love that we're both coming at it from different sides, right? You love how Luke is training Grogu and how that is consistent with Luke's character. And I completely agree with you, but I am there watching it for Grogu. And I am yes. so happy that they did not make him just like whoop nip up and like be like the perfect student because oh, I, he's always kind of been a little bit of a pain in the ass. Like, and that's, that's what's so cool about him. And like, he's yeah. kind of a pain in the ass to Luke a little bit. Like Luke's like jump. And he's like, meh. He's like, now, what this, the this, fuck this, are you doing? Is, this was great Empire vibes where he had the teacher and the master portrayed, the teacher and the student portrayed perfectly. And I love that Grogu doesn't immediately succeed at all this shit. No. It, it, it's almost implied that we're seeing like months of training occurring and it's a process of him getting better and learning through rote and through well done teaching techniques. It's awesome. It's really cool. Um, Luke then, I think in a show to Grogu of like, hey, like I'm going to try to get this kid like actually invested in what we're doing here. This. He lifts frog, up every frog, every frog in this stream. Maybe I don't know how far this goes. This might be every no. frog on the fucking planet, for all we know. Uh, do, it's a lot of frogs. Do, doing it blind too. He's just detecting with the force where the various life signs are, and all of them are now levitating in the air. Just like a demonstration of Grogu. You like frogs? Let me show you what the what understanding the force will eventually allow you to be capable of. Yeah, definitely got some Yoda lifting the X-wing. Vibes. Yes. There's so many parallels to Luke's training sequence with Yoda um, on Dagobah. I'll call them out when I see them. I, I might not catch all of them, but there's a lot of them. So it, I got a lot of vibes from that because in both situations, the student is kind of looking at the master like, I can't believe that's possible. And that is why you fail. And that is why you fail. Like, <laughs> great line. Luke and Grogu go on a walk. Love this little, little bit of uh, detail here. As Luke walks, he moves Grogu along with the force. That was really cute. That was, that was like almost just like a swing effect with your kid as you're walking down the street. I knew in my my heart of hearts, I dare I, I dared to dream, Spencer, but I also knew in my heart of hearts that Luke and Grogu were not long for this world. Like they were not that's not a long-term relationship, but they are they are really good together. And this is why it hurts me all the more. Because, I'm again, I'm one of the people that wanted this to be longer drawn out, that reunion with the Mando and Grogu to be farther into the future. But this episode made it all the worse for me just to see how awesome these two characters are together. And, like, nope, they're never going to reunite again. This, this is it. Enjoy your 15 minutes. I'm not sure of that, but we'll get to theories uh, toward I the end. I um, hopes. Uh, so Luke's moving him along, just cute, just the cutest, and he's explaining to Grogu, you remind me of him. He was small like you, but his heart was huge. And the force was strong in him. <laughs> Understatement. He uh -huh. once said to me, size matters not. That's how he talked. He would speak in riddles. Have you heard anyone talk like that back home? Do you remember back home? Oh! I love that Luke doesn't know the answer to this either. Luke is just like the rest of us going, where the hell did you come from? I need details. Luke is talking for the fandom here. He's like, hey, look, I would talk to you a little bit about Yoda. Do you, you're, you look like Yoda. Where the fuck? What are you? What yeah. are you? Nobody knows. Um, to the point that Luke basically volunteers to use the Force to help him unlock his memories, which is interesting to find out that it's not just that Grogu's playing shy with his own background, the trauma associated with it. He legitimately doesn't remember and has to actually be in some ways unlocked in his mind by aid of the Force. Grogu has, uh, as you know, on the Mangum Talks podcast channel, I psychoanalyze not only you, but all of the characters Absolutely, that yes. we come all across. Um, he has like trauma induced amnesia. Like that absolutely. is absolutely what's going on with Grogu. Grogu has serious, serious trauma in his past. And like, I love the idea that like being strong in the force and being like a one in a trillion like species, as far as your, you know, your, your force abilities, 
does not get you away from being affected by trauma. Like Absolutely. when you see something like that and it, and it, if you're a child, like it sticks with you and it's sticking with Grogu. Right. So Luke trying to cheat code to figure out where the hell Yoda was from, puts his hand on Grogu's head, unlocks the memories. And what we see uh, instead of Grogu's home planet, which I was hoping for too, uh, we get a flashback to order 66. And these are the clones which, firing which at Jedi's. Awesome. It was really awesome. And what we, what we, we learn uh, if we're going to take this memory at face value, uh, mm-hmm. but we know not all memories are, are right, but let's say, let's assume this one is. Particularly um, old childhood memories. Yeah, it could it absolutely could be embellished over time or whatever. But what, what we think happened is there was a sequence where there were a number of Jedi who was trying to protect, at a minimum, Grogu. Could have been more things behind him. We don't know, mm-hmm. but they were trying to stop the clone army from getting to Grogu and they failed. They all died. And the clone army came toward our guy, Grogu memory cut. Terry freaked out. What Mm -hmm. the fuck Spencer? Does this mean that the clones got Grogu? Like what happened? We don't know. It's a hell of a cutoff point. It's wonderfully done series and segments. And I also will defend look here. It's not just that he's trying to use a cheat code. He's also trying to get Grogu to in some way acknowledge his past and also deal with it. The fact that it's suppressed is only going to cause further problems in the future. It's something that needs to actually be discussed. Well, but that raises a very interesting question. Do you think, was was Luke expecting trauma when he unlocked his memory? I think Luke knows that Grogu had to come from the Jedi Temple in some ways. I think he's gotten that information in some capacity. So I think he was expecting this particular memory. I also believe Luke doesn't know necessarily what occurs before this. Yeah, and if you're wondering, how does Luke know about Order 66? Ahsoka. Ahsoka is fucking there. Um, And apparently a lot of things happened off screen, which I will fucking bitch about here in a second. Which brings down this episode for me from the episode of the series. That's such a weird decision that they made with this we'll get there cut to grogu waking up luke says welcome back tells grogu the galaxy is a dangerous place and he will teach him to protect himself now this is a still on the theme from the last episode of mandalorian where luke is basically saying like hey look like grogu will be safe when he can protect himself and i can do that for him Mm -hmm. uh then we get a pan out of this absolutely beautiful planet that they're on cut to mando he's laid down on the bench and he seems to be sleeping he wakes up draws a gun and who is it Ah, it's ahsoka A lot of cameos we get this episode. Oh my gosh, the condensed joy of the first 15 minutes of this fucking episode, Spencer. Like, it is highly, highly concentrated joy solution for one, your 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 podcast co-host. Um, I really love that Ahsoka's in here. But, here's the problem, and I alluded to it earlier. It is apparent mm-hmm. that Luke and Ahsoka met off screen. And, and not like a while ago, necessarily, because it's like Luke later acts like, am I ever going to see you again? As if she's just stepped by for a couple days kind of thing or a few weeks. It's not like she's been hanging out for the entire period he's been on the planet. And yet that reunion, that, not, not even reunion, that first meeting, that discussion of past, of past connections, that going into the Skywalker legacy and family, the talking about his dad, all apparently happened all off camera and they're not going to go into details about it. Sorry. Maybe we'll maybe we'll publish a book. First off, I don't like your dismissive tone about a book because I really pray that they do have a book. That's not a that's not a nothing. It's a poor that would be substitute. awesome. It, it's a poor substitute from just doing it on the damn show, though. A book should not fill in necessary gaps that you're omitting from the show or movies or whatever else. The only way this is okay is if they actually like do have a book, and 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 maybe what they're thinking is, 
This conversation is longer than what we have here. So let's give them a book where we actually go into it. That would be kind of cool. But I don't know of any book that is out there or is planned on this particular subject. So right now I'm pissed because I want to know what the hell they said. Because, um, you know, like she like here's a, so just an example of why I'm frustrated about this. She clearly is deferential to Luke as a master. Clearly. Yes. But she's older than Luke. She was practicing the force when Luke was not born. Like, yeah. how would how did she become so immediately deferential to him? You know what I'm saying? Like that 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 would have to come out in that conversation somehow. She's a trained Jedi of the old order. This is the kind of person that Luke immediately reveres whenever he's thinking about his old masters and what came before him, what he feels inadequate in comparison to. And she walks in and goes, "Nope, he's in charge." Completely no discussion. Just no. Obviously, he's the one that's now ruling the newly established Jedi Order. Yeah, Why is that? I don't. I don't is that know. Just that's... loyalty to his dad. Is she seeing something in him? Is she wanting to like, have him carry the torch because she doesn't feel adequate to it because of her own past and history? Sure, maybe. Let's speculate, but they're not going to tell us shit. Yeah, it's 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 tough that we didn't we didn't get more of that. But anyway, Ahsoka is talking to Mando, and she explains, "I'm an old friend of the family." Potential line of the episode. <laughs> potential yeah. line of the episode right there get, from our girl Ahsoka. Mildly. Uh, also, like just a little pff, asterisk addendum to the discussion. We are getting an Ahsoka series this year. So well, how, that's how, pretty fucking exciting. And maybe we get that conversation in that series. Yeah, how would you feel if that's like the opening scene we get of that series? I'd be all there for it. I would um, I would I'd be a, a crumbled mess. I'd be so excited. I would you know what you would get you'd get a voicemail and it would go beep ah! 30 seconds and then that's it. I can hear Oh, yes. Uh, Mando clarifies, hey, look, you said you wouldn't train, train Grogu, but um, you're okay with like Luke training him? And he, she goes, yeah, I am. Uh, Master, I'm cool with Master Luke Master training him. Master Luke is training him. Yeah. Mando uh, says Ahsoka, um, ask Ahsoka what she's doing here. And she says, that's my question for you. He says, I want to see the kid. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know. It's like, so like, it would be like, you know, if somebody, you know, somebody like has a problem um with like an ex you know like yeah. you know they're like crazy about them and then like that person comes like i just want to go say hey to her real quick and you're like mm, i don't think it's a good idea that's the vibe i'm getting from Masoko. kind of like huh, i might have to run a little interference here this is a bad idea so they're clearly between r2 and ahsoka they're trying to keep mando away from goku as much as possible and very politely, too. There's no element of confrontation here. They're just really just trying to talk to him for a second and get him to kind of think about, why are you actually here? Is it for the sake of Grogu? Is it to give Grogu a gift? Or is it because you can't come to terms with the fact that he's moving on with his life and you haven't? He's not moving on with his life. Um, Ahsoka says, Amanda, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mando says, I want to see him. Ahsoka says, I know you do. Let's take a walk. They walk off. Um, she explains, I warned you when you met, your attachment to Grogu will be difficult to let go. Uh, Mando says, well, Mando's trying to do a bunch of different angles here. Because the reality, the reality of the thing is that he loves Grogu and he wants to see him because he loves him. The reality is he wants a Grogu hug. That's all this is. He just, he, he, like the rest of the fandom, he's ca he can't come to terms with the fact that Grogu now may have a life that's separate from him. Yeah, and neither can Grogu apparently. But like that that's the thing is that <laughs> that's the thing is that like the the fact is 
he just loves him and wants to see him. But he's trying a bunch of different angles here in this discussion, yeah. right? So he starts with, well, I want to make sure he's safe. And then she's, she blunts, she parries that attack. And she's like, well, there's no yeah, place safer Luke. in the galaxy than with Master Luke. And he goes, eh, okay. Then he tries the, well, he's a Mandalorian foundling. And it's his right to have this. And she kind of parries that. And she goes, Mandalorian foundling? Or is he a Jedi Padawan now? Like, And so he keeps kind of going uh, at different I, I, angles. I'm going to get for him. Look at this. I've got a gift. I've got a gift for my uh, gift for my kid. And she goes, okay, well, if you got a gift for him, I'll give it to him. And he's like, he's, he's, right there. he's right there. I want to see him, right? Because she eventually gives him to a landscape where he can look up and see where Luke yeah. and Grogu are sitting so he can see Grogu. And she then finally explains, Grogu misses you a great deal. If he sees you, it will only make things more difficult for him. I swear, you know, these Jedi, I'm not sure I always like them because that's harsh shit. That's like, that's like, um, you know, like, I don't know, like, um, I don't know, like, like a kid, like, it, 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 I don't know what it is, but it's, it's really harsh, they, right? They, to be like, you cannot see him because we're trying to separate that memory. We want him to forget you and this will make the process longer. What? They don't necessarily want him to forget him because they even talk about later that, you know, it's possible you'll see Mando again. It's just a timing of it kind of thing of where they're trying to teach him about the the importance of abandoning attachments and dedicating yourself to a, to a more noble cause separate from your own baggage, your own history, your own personal motivations and desires. Dedicating yourself to the, the greater benefit of all. And that requires time and training, whatever else. And if, you know, his beloved dad comes back right here, right now, that's going to break and wreck all of that. It, but in terms of it being harsh, they're being modeled after the old classic monastic military orders. These were not warm and fuzzy institutions that the Jedi Order is being modeled after historically. And I think that will confuse some viewers because I do think a lot of viewers just kind of view the Jedi as like the good guys, the light. They, they take care of people, but it is explored, right? In the first and episode that one. that is true. It's explored in episode one, two, and three, this concept of attachment, right? And and I think it the the way that it was displayed kind of fucks up some of the viewers, right? Because they Anakin just disregards that like so like thoroughly and brazenly that like I think a lot of people think that that was kind of an optional shit. It was not an optional rule, but Anakin Anakin was an exception, but I'm not sure that always came through in the first three episodes. Anakin was an exception because his masters were being way too damn lenient with him on those subject matters. This was a certain degree of pride on the part of Obi-Wan when it came to trading Anakin that he could kind of do it his own way and not follow the parameters of the code, and it would go fine because Anakin's just that badass. And we get to see in the three prequels why that goes horribly wrong and the Order dies practically as a result of it. Yeah, I'm not sure that... Or yeah, I don't know. We could argue that for, for days probably. But hey, hey, uh, here's the thing. The expanded mythos argues over the subject. I feel like in some ways we've kind of framed the two different poles of the fandom in terms of are you the Jedi mindset or are you the Mandalorian mindset? And good yeah. lord has the own mythos kind of argued over which one of those is quote-unquote better whether they can exist in harmony or not. And I think they've recently been leaning way heavily towards the Mandalorian mindset in comparison. As they should. Yeah, as they should, because that's the rest the right way. Um, here, here's the thing about the here's the thing about my like. Oh, let's finish the scene and then I'll do it. All right. So um, she gives him this whole thing, this this whole talk about how Grogu, you know, it'd be harder for him to continue his training if he sees Mando, et cetera, et cetera. And Mando goes, "Well, I came all this way," and she says, "I'll give him the I'll give him the gift, right? I'll give him the 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 chainmail uh, shirt." And she says. Um, he says, well, make sure he's protected. And, and she kind of gives him a nod. 
uh, and Mando turns and walks back. So kind of tough, right? Because Mando does as much as we're all give you know the 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 Spencers of the world who love the Jedi are kind of giving him shit for showing up here. He does actually acquiesce to what Ahsoka is asking him to do. He has the choice to walk up there and he does not do it. So shout out to Mando for making a tough decision there, right? I think Mando fundamentally wants this to be Grogu's decision. And I, I got to give a lot of credit because I think Luke actually wants it to be Grogu's decision too. And I Um, love that touch too, that this isn't meant to be forced upon him. They want to give him a choice, but they want to make it under a parameter where he can actually emotionally make that choice rather than just be immediately persuaded of, oh, my dad's back, run into his arms. But I have explained this now in multiple podcasts. My opinion on the subject is that I, as much as I absolutely got chills when Luke showed up and saved the Mandalorian Avengers, I never thought it would made a lot, it made a lot of sense that Grogu, child of extreme trauma, who has had such trauma that he has blinked out his memories of his past, has one guy who has actually protected him over and over again. He's formed a deep bond to, and he is just going to leap out of that guy's arms to Luke, who he doesn't know for shit, and say, yeah, take me across the galaxy so I'll never see these people again. That's totally what I want to do. That never made any sense to me that Grogu would do that, especially being a child, like especially having a child mentality. I don't know any kid that would ever agree to such a thing. So none of it ever made a lot of sense to me. I'm glad that they have yanked that back pretty quickly um, because I never thought Grogu would ever want to do that. And it makes sense to me that he would get there and go, okay, you know, like I, I felt this like force bond or whatever with Luke, but like ultimately this is not what I want. Like I liked fucking hopping from planet to planet with dad and like, you know, playing with my little metal ball and being awesome. That's what I thought Grogu would want to do. And it does bear out. That is my end of my spiel. I will now turn the floor over to you. I feel that as a mythos and as an overarching story, I think it would be better if we actually get to see Grogu kind of mature independently from Mando so that he can actually kind of make that decision in some point in the future. Because like you said, as a kid, the moment his dad shows up and the moment he knows his dad's back there, of course he's going to run to his arms of his dad. Because that's the immediate thing that he cares about. That's the immediate sense of comfort that he's been lacking for years. If they instead give Grogu the opportunity to mature and see and spend more time with the Jedi and see everything that they can, everything he can accomplish there, everything he could do there... It would kind of make it, in my mind, a more meaningful choice for him to come back in some ways having matured and being able to stand on his own rather than purely just be joined at the hip with Mando and not kind of able to develop independently from him. I feel like both the shows and the character would be better off if they actually get to develop independently and grow individually before they eventually come back together rather than so quickly rush and, in my mind, diminish one of the best moments that's happened in Star Wars in years in terms of that moment with Luke Grogu making that choice and that kind of emotional, sad moment of a dad seeing a kid in some ways grow up separate from you, chart their own path, and be capable of doing that rather than having their entire future be governed by you and your desires. Totally valid point. I just think they wrote themselves in a corner with this because they can't they have now. They can't they can't show us Grogu age because he ages so slow. They can't show us Grogu grow up. He's going to have the same kid mentality for the next 20 years because he he ages in reverse dog years. Like it takes him forever to like grow up and for like, so I just feel like they couldn't write it that way because if they, even if they gave him five years there with Luke, he'd still look and act the same because he ages so slow. So they kind of wrote themselves in a corner with that. It's a good point that it would be much more affecting if he had stayed with Luke longer and, and grown into something different and then made the call. But he's not going to grow into something different 
that's the problem, right? So I think they just kind of pulled it back as quick as they could. And God bless them for doing it. Because I, I, I don't give a fuck. I want more Mando and Grogu. Uh, and the fandom that's what the I want. same way. And I understand why they did it. I think they were just missing a lot of opportunities for how they could have made something much more meaningful and more powerful. But as you said, it would have been hard. And the fan base would have been in abject revolt every day the two of them aren't back together. Yeah, I wasn't really in revolt, right? But like... Because, I mean, I trust them. I, I trust them to tell the story. And, like, you know, so I'm not always going to get do. what I want. Can't say the fan, all the fan base does that. A lot of the fan I mean, base is just here for Grogu. I mean, that, that's fine. But, like, I mean, I, you know, if, you, if you're there for one character, then, you know, might not, you might not actually like the series. Like, I like Grogu as much as I've ever liked any Star Wars character except for Yoda. He's a, he's a, he's a 1B to Yoda for me. But um, I, uh, I, I was okay with them being apart for a little while. I just thought it made a lot of sense to me that Grogu would get there and be like, what the fuck did I just get me the fuck out of here? Like, I'm, I want to go back with that. I worry about them making Grogu too much the face of Star Wars for an entire base of fans that are just here for Grogu, that it in some ways is going to ride themselves into a corner about what else they can do if so much of the fan base is only invested in that one character. And so that's part of the reason I was like, they almost need to wean the fan base off Grogu to get them time to develop more for other people to be invested in before they bring him back. Now with him back so fast, everyone's just here for Grogu again, and they are going to find it all the harder to explore other things. But you see, but you see what your pro, you see your problem is that they they created too good of a character. You know, like if I'm John Favreau and I'm listening to that what you just said, I'd be like, this is not a problem. This is actually awesome. If I've created a character <laughs> in the future, don't if I've created a now. character that's so good that people are worried it's it dwarfs Star Wars, then yeah, I think I've done a pretty good job with the character. I'm uh, not faulting him there. Back to the character, he sees the ship fly off. He puts his hand up toward it. So I I suspect he knows it was Mando. Yeah. Um, then we see Luke put Grogu down. He says, all right, it's time to continue your training. Luke looks at Grogu and says, let's see you jump. <laughs> a wonderful sequence here. <laughs> Grogu. <laughs> and Luke's like, really? Like, come on, dude, that's really... We both knew what me? I meant. Are you fucking kidding me here? And Grogu's like, meh. I'm not feeling it. Grogu's not like into this. Like, he's not feeling the training, right? Uh, so Luke puts him on his back and he basically shows him um, what you can do as a Jedi as far as like physical exertion. He's like, look, watch me, right? Very reminiscent of Luke running through Dagobah with Yoda on his back. Very now he's got Grogu on his back and he's doing the jumps. He's doing the, the force jumps, the flips, all the stuff that we saw him do in Dagobah. Very, very cool sequence. Mm -hmm. uh, they stop. Luke says, he gives him this quote, look, the wide world exists in balance. Feel the force all around you. Through the force, you will find balance as well. It feels to me like... Luke is the yoga instructor and he's saying, close your eyes, feel your third eye chakra. And Grogu, <laughs> Grogu is Lee in the yoga class going, am I going to get Indian after this or am I getting Chinese food after this? Meanwhile, like, I'm, <laughs> I, and meanwhile, I'm sitting there next to you going, oh, the peace, the, 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 the moment of separation from it all. <laughs> the different mindsets in the fandom embodied with wanting Indian food after yoga. I'm just not sure that Grogu is like a super good student right now. Like I'm not when Luke is like, hey, close your eyes and feel the force. I imagine Grogu sitting there going, hmm, I'm pretty bored. That's what I'm getting from it. Um, this is possible. It's a beautiful see, vista that he takes him up to as he climbs the bamboo forest. Through, yeah, sure gorgeous. Yes. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, this is the unmade bed for Luke. He's, this is the absolute damn opposite of Dagobah. 
Uh, then we see Grogu climb out on a limb. He's trying it, to balance it, on one leg. This is the damn opposite of Tatooine. It's like, this is like, I grew up on a limb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm finding a verdant paradise, goddammit. I have earned it. Yeah, he's had a lot, in Hoth too, he's had a lot of fucking time on ship planets. Like, he's like, I'm going to go to Kabul. That's where the fuck mm-hmm. I'm going. Um, Grogu's out on a limb. He's trying to balance on one leg. Sort of an interesting thing for him to be doing. Luke tells him to use the force to balance. I guess Grogu is such, he's such a shit balancer that he needs the force to, to stand up on one leg. Is that what I'm getting here? <laughs> he's that uncoordinated? I, th- I think he's just never really tried. He's just kind of been used to using the force to, drink, to bring, bring everything to himself. He's, Luke's trying to encourage him that the force, the force and its uses are broader than you currently understand. It's just, it would seem to me like this is one exercise he could do without the force, but apparently not. Um, then we see, um, but Grogu does start to get it, right? And then we see Grogu elevating, which is pretty cool. Um, do you think he is doing that or do you think Luke is doing it for him? I kind of interpreted in the moment it was Luke doing it for him, but I wasn't Me too. Sure. Yeah, me too. Then when he watches Luke train with the lightsaber, he seems very interested in the lightsaber. I will tell you that. He oh, liked the lightsaber. Uh, then we see the training remote, right? He puts the training remote down and Grogu walks over to it. And like a cat, just <laughs> get it. Like he just pushes it away and rolls the thing away. And Luke's like, that, nope, that is not what we're doing here. Uh, he walks over. He... Puts the training remote down yeah. and clicks it on. And I absolutely adore that we're seeing Luke use the training methods that he learned from his teachers. Yeah. This is from- just straight up New Hope, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan reach out with your feelings as he's using the remote to just shoot him in the ass. And what is so funny about this is that Luke, I think, has gotten to a point with Grogu where he's like, I am going to make this kid do so. I am going to force him. This is Bart Simpson writing, I will not talk in class the the 8,000th time on the chalkboard because Luke's had enough of it. He doesn't even give him a lightsaber to defend himself. He's like, this thing is literally going to shoot your ass if you do not jump. I'm sick of it. You're going to jump, Grogu. I think think it's a mix of that and also like, okay, let's make this fun for him. Because Grogu clearly has a blast with this as this goes forward. And from like a kid perspective, dodging bullets where they actually won't hurt you really... Yeah, that might get the kid a little bit more invested in the game. It seemed like it kind of hurt him a little bit. It did, the first one it, shot him, and Grogu was like, ah! It, 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 it certainly scared him. I wasn't clear whether it shot or his feet, or at least it hurt him a little bit. No long-term damage, but he's clearly like, I don't want that to happen again, please. But I'll tell you about my guy Grogu. He gets shot with this thing one time, and that is the last time. Because yeah. after that, he finds Motivate. the Force real fast. He becomes very Force-sensitive uh, super quickly. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I assume in some ways that we're getting a bit like a little cut in advancement of a couple days happening over the course of this. Cause it, 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 this feels like this is almost like a timeless training montage. If this could be a week, this could be several months. We're just seeing fl- play out here. I, yeah, I don't I don't get the sense that it's that long, um, but it probably, it probably is a couple days maybe. But it does seem like Grogu is the type of student who will be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then you like push him off the cliff and then all of a sudden he's levitating. Like, yeah, well I didn't want to do it. You know, now you've made me. And while we're seeing him do this, just bounce between rocks and a river and finally just, you know, fuck up that remote because he's tired of that shit for right now. Uh, I love Luke talking with Ahsoka who then comes up and we suddenly get to see that they've been interacting with each other off camera. Apparently God help us. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was just going to finish the scene, right? Because, like, not only is Grogu force-sensitive enough to do the jumps, 
He's also Force-sensitive enough to crush this thing in his hand, like to just use his hand to just crush it when he gets pissed. So like from Luke's perspective, he's got to be thinking like, this kid, like in this, and we, it bears out in the conversation with Ahsoka, right? Because Ahsoka's yeah. like, hey man, you're teaching him really well. And he's like, it's not like I'm teaching him. It's more like he's remembering because what he's able to do when he's pushed in a corner is something that like he shouldn't be able to, I haven't taught him to crush the thing. He just right. fucking did that. And so it makes me, Luke, think that like he's got this stuff locked in him and possibly it's locked due to that trauma issue that has locked right. a lot of his memories. This is almost the backstory we kind of assumed with Ray, because Ray, like the the Star Wars movies, yeah, suddenly yeah. naturally good at everything in a way that like, we were hoping. Oh, what's yeah, the, what's the backstory here? Because we keep on seeing little flashbacks to her childhood, and she's being dropped on this planet. Was she actually trained as a Jedi and just kind of forgotten about it? With Grogu, they're actually going that route, and so it makes a lot more sense that he's awesome at these things because he's already been trained in them. He's already yeah. received training from the best masters, you know, in the galaxy. Probably, probably Yoda. Probably Yoda. Probably Yoda. And so it makes sense that in some ways he's just remembering and unlocking and feeling comfortable enough with himself and the Force again to re-explore this aspect to himself. Luke is giving him this gateway into his own past and other aspects of his character that he's kind of blocked away due to trauma. And it's awesome to see that play out. Question for you. When Luke is telling him, like, Old Man River, like, about this 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 great hero of the past, Yoda, mm-hmm. when he when he unlocks his memory and figures out that Grogu was in the Jedi Temple during Order 66. Do you think he felt a little foolish? Like, oh, fuck. Well, he obviously met Yoda. Like, what? who am I telling him about Yoda? Like, he knew Yoda before I was alive. I assume that he already knew that, and he's just trying to get trying to prompt Grogu to remember it. He tells Ahsoka that, you know, I know this kid's already had training. I know where he's already come from and those kind of ways. I feel Luke already knows that. He's just trying to help Grogu remember it kind of thing. Maybe. Um, Ahsoka uh, does say... Um, that Luke is so much like his father. I love that little line. And then Luke says, um, he says, what should I do? What should I do about Grogu? And, and uh, uh, Ahsoka says, trust your instinct. Luke asks Ahsoka if he'll ever see her again. Ahsoka, perhaps, may the force be with you. I'm going to go ahead and assume that they see each other again. That, that is the classic example of the writers leaving their options open. It's like, we're ever going to meet again? Eh, you know, we haven't actually written those plot lines yet, but sure, it's definitely possible. We're the only two Jedi left in the fucking galaxy. Yeah, we're going to see each other again. Um, Maybe there'd be a third if he stayed. Cut to... Uh, it's going to take a while. Cut to... You, you see, with, with, with Grogu's <laughs> impetus to learn, with his motivation, it's going to take a while to make him a Jedi. He'll be a difficult student, but it's worth the effort. Cut to Mando flying back to Tatooine. He lands in Jabba Boba's palace, uh, down where I believe Slave One was parked for so long. I think he was in the same little hangar there. And uh, Gamorian comes up and greets him. He says, I'm here at the request of Fennec Shan. Um, and he goes into the planning room. Who are apparently nicknamed in the fandom Pork and Chop. Apparently, I just I'll take it. The other day. Pork and Chop, I'll take it. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to name him right before we throw him off a cliff. Absolutely. Um, Fennec explains that the mayor is on the payroll of the uh, Pike Syndicate. We all knew this. She does mention that the other three families will lay low during all of this. Uh-huh. Bubba's already struck the deal. It's already done. Don't even worry are, about it. They are being way too fucking trusting that this is all going according to plan. Like, trust but verify, my dudes. Why are you assuming that they are just going to stick to this? Uh, I thought they, you know, because basically he threatened, he threatens them into agreeing to it because he's got them eating at a dining room table over top of a rancor pit. Rancor, yeah. They agree to it and then he thinks it's like some sort of like blood oath. Like, it's, it's like, kind of strange. You've given them nothing. 
There's like you're the only thing you're motivating them with is that they're gonna not like the Pikes taking over. But you're the only point of comparison, and they don't particularly like you either. Yeah, they say they need you know basically more people. Amanda says maybe I can help with that. Uh, cut to Mando's ship flying uh, in Tatooine, and we see the Jawa and the Sandcrawler. And on top of the Sandcrawler, you've got the big dragon <laughs> skull. Like the great dragon skull. Great dragon skull on top of it. That is, boy, that is baller. That is, that you know what that is? That's the low rider of Sandcrawlers. That is, like, he's got that thing bumping. It's on, like, oh, yeah. big rims. It, you know, has the hydraulics on it. Spinning it wheels. Is, oh, everything going with that thing. It's it, a pimp-my-ride situation for the Sandcrawler. You want to see the coolest Jawas on Tatooine? We just got to see them right there. Very, very cool. Then we see the folks in Mos Pelagos watch Mando fly in. Uh, some guy comes out and says, you can't park there. A little park, park, parking issue. Mm. Mando ignores that. Cobb Vanth walks out. Um, they have a bit of a back and forth. Mando asks him if he could buy him a drink. They go inside during their conversation. It's clear that Cobb Vanth want, wants nothing to do with this at first. He is not wanting to get involved. Mando dangles credits over him. I'm not sure that was the right move. And Mando does figure that out and pivot. Rapidly realizes, yeah. Yeah, that, he, that guy doesn't really live for the credits, right? Like, I mean, I, I, and we know that because he had a fucking million dollars worth of, or million credits worth of, of, of dust Spice that he just dumped into, into the one. Dust. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he doesn't care about that. Um, and it's not until Mando starts explaining, hey, look, eventually the spice trade is going to be here. And what Mando doesn't know is that it already has affected most Pelgo slash Freetown. Like, he's already seen it. And so when he goes, to, when Mando goes to that vein, it really strikes home for Cobb Vanth. He's like, yeah, you know, th- th- this is true. If we don't do something about this, this drug trade is going to infiltrate my town too. I, I, I got to say, I'm not with the name change. I think the name change is a step down. Freetown, I'm not with it as much. You don't like Freetown? I, I, no, Mas Pelagu has history. It's got a kind of it's got a mythos. It feels Tatooine. Freetown, yeah, it, it feels like a lazy extra addition. They thought of, thought of at the last second. Feels like a twelve year old named it. Yes. Um, finally, Cobb cuts him off. And says, "Hey, look, me and you were square. Great, great writing and great line from Mando." <clears throat> he says, "There is no easy way to ask for a favor." That also changes the tenor of the conversation because then Cobb realizes what he's doing. He's come there as a friend just asking for help. And he, there also is a self-interested angle for the people of Freetown here to keep this shit out of their town, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so as, we, as we remember from when we last kind of saw these people fighting in the second season of Mandalorian, these guys fought a Crete dragon and did okay with it. Yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're blood brothers, right? I mean, they, they, yeah. they do have a... You know, they, they fall, they slip back into that, like, buddy repertoire, right? Uh, then we see Mando leaving. We see Cobb Vant tell the bartender he wants everybody in the town who can fight to come to the meeting. Then Cobb sees something off in the distance. Cue the tumbleweed. This is proper, proper old West. This is proper spaghetti Western. Because this guy walks in like Lee Van Cleef, like the, the bad and the good, bad and the ugly, just out of the, out of the desert. Tumbleweed rolls by. People close the shutters. You can hear the spurs as the man walks. And he's off in the distance. It's just a black figure. You can't see much. It's out of focus. Um, the guy walks up. And uh, I immediately recognize who it is, Cad Bane. Um, if you have not seen the the Clone Wars uh, cartoon series, you may not know who Cad Bane is. Um, I, I don't even. Uh, it, here's the here's my problem with this, Spencer. Mm-hmm. And it, it bears out in me trying to do the recap. Is the problem? Yes. 
it is you have now introduced a character that has a ton of backstory that no one who has only a sliver of your audience has watched the clone wars like yeah. i'm sorry dave filoni that's just the fact yes, and he is, so. there is no real easy way to explain who cad bane is I, there's no like there's not like ahsoka with ahsoka you can say anakin's padawan bam there it is i don't know how to explain cad bane uh really easily to people i'm not sure anyone does and so it for the people who don't know who it is already it is it falls absolutely flat i think yeah it's, it's one of those examples of where if you know him he ranked as your nostalgic moment of the episode over luke training fucking grogu going through all of the lessons of his old masters that's the level of dedication people had to this character that was a very small sliver of the pen. I was a he's a big enough character. I was aware of him. I knew about him. I've read his Wikipedia page before. I knew that much, even though I've not watched Clone Wars. But this just feels like this is a good enough character with enough backstory. You could have almost used him, and they kind of do in the next episode, and it feels like they're tacking on the last second, to be the counterpart, to be the equal and opposite to Boba Fett over the course of the entire damn series. And that could have been awesome. The fact they're introducing him at the last second, it's great. He's a great character. He has gravitas, whatever else. But it comes across as a cameo that they could have done so much more with to get other fans, even with the slightest clue of why they should care about this dude. Well, they've they, think about what they did for Black Chrysanthemum. Yeah. You know, they, they made sure that you knew that he was a gladiator, that he fought in the pits, that he, like, yeah. they gave him something. With this, it is literally a stranger coming out it. of the desert. And that doesn't do justice to the character for the uninitiated. And yeah. so... Which is it, a shame. It, they, could have been, I, they could have integrated this better. I don't like that they, they rolled Cad Bane out in these two episodes. I like Cad Bane. I'm glad I got to see him in the flesh. But I don't think it was done super well. And I feel like the vast majority of the fandom is just going to think, Oh, he's just, that, he, he's just that guy who showed up at the end the of Book of Boba Fett and got shot. Thing. Yeah. Like, not, it, that's it. Which is a shame. Because he is a great character with a lot of lore, a lot of background. And even as we see him, he's got a lot of swagger. And they portray him well in live live action to mirror what we've seen before. It's just, it's another example of, like, the same thing I'm saying with the timing of Grogu. This is a moment where I think you can say, this could have been done better. And this one feels even easier to say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all aboard the, the criticism of this one. Not at all on the, on the other one that you're talking about. Um, bring it around. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But so uh, the only thing I, the thing I was going to say about um, Cobbanth is, uh, or not Cobbanth, Cad Bane is that what most of the fandom wanted, the people who were complaining, what they wanted Boba Fett to be in the new mm-hmm. canon, right, what is Cad what Cad Bane is. Yes, Which Cad Bane's a mean, so mean, nasty motherfucker. Like yes. he but, doesn't give a fuck, and he will kill anybody, and he does it. I don't think he's got any family or friends or nothing hasn't for like a hundred years or however long he's lived he is not a good guy so he is what people wanted boba fett to be cold-hearted killer this is a stage in boba's life and history this is a long stage in the legacy kind of material and again this is why i emphasize if you want to do this as boba's story cad bane would have been a perfect thing to bring in early and reference often if you want to show that he's gone away from that and grown in a different direction Rather couldn't we have done a cad bane a... flashback Yes, absolutely. They've got history. They've got a lot of history. We were doing Boba Fett flashbacks. We we got um, Camino. But, but, but again, they don't really care that much about Boba Fett on this show, and it's a shame. And 
this is just another example of that, of how much this character could have unlocked countless interesting aspects of Boba's history and how much he's in some ways consciously trying to reject that in the new medium. Instead, we get one conversation in the next episode between the two of them, and that's kind of it. Well, two-ish. So, um, Cobb Vanth is trying to get his name. Uh, Cad Bane has not given it to him. The lieutenant gets a little jumpy. Um, that gives Cad Bane the jump on on Cobb Vanth. Kills him and the lieutenant. No questions asked. Uh, R.I.P. Our guy Cobb Vanth. Timothy Olympiat. He did a great job here in the Star Wars universe. We'll just straight up say that we do see him appears to be in a back to tank at the end of the stinger at the end of the next episode. So we know that they're going to do something with him. But at least in this moment, I was really thinking that he was dead and gone. That the fact that he's dead here and that we don't see him in the next episode until the stinger at the end was like, oh shit, they just killed off an awesome character kind of casually. The risks are out for everybody going into this final episode. Yeah, it does, and even in the conversation we get at, in in the next episode, it does seem like he's dead. But yeah, like they, they dead, want yeah. yeah, they love the stinger. They'll give you a little surprise there. Then we cut back to um, uh, Mosespa. We see the uh, nightclub there. We see Garza's place. Uh, some some uh, guys walk in. They leave something at a table. They leave. The place blows up. So the Pike Syndicate has blown up Garza's sanctuary. And this is. This was kind of shocking for me, particularly because you've just killed off like two of the four people I care about on Tatooine in rapid order, casually. It's like, oh shit, this show's not going to pull some punches in this last episode. Kudos. I'm invested and scared. Yeah, uh, that's true. They do set the precedent that they will kill a motherfucker. Uh, and they do. They do some They do some killing. Uh, not as much as I thought they would, but they do some killing. Not Cut to Luke and Grogu in the Jedi School building and Luke pulls out the armor and shows it to Grogu. Grogu does have in a reaction. He's pretty hyped to see his new his new shirt. Luke also pulls out the lightsaber. Grogu's pretty hyped about this. This is Yoda's lightsaber. Unclear to me how Luke has has Yoda's lightsaber. I guess he got it from from Dagobah. I'm guessing it was in Yoda's hut on Dagobah. That's the only way it makes sense unless they want to invent a story completely off camera. And it would make a certain degree of sense that Yoda would still have his lightsaber there on Dagobah. He dropped it. He dropped it when he was fighting the Emperor, and then he had to crawl through a little hole. Where the hell did he get it from? There is a long series of events between that data point and the data point of Dagobah of where he could have gotten it back again. But there's no other way Luke could have gotten it unless there's just this incredible story off camera we didn't see. Most sense is that either... Yoda made a new one, possible, he could, or he got it back somehow and had it in his head on Dagobah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's giving uh, Grogu the choice, basically. You can go, you can take the, the chainmail shirt and uh, I'll send you right back to Mando, or you can take this lightsaber, and in that case, you cannot have the chainmail shirt, and ipso facto, you cannot see Mando again. And you may never see him again in your life, Grogu, because in a great, great line here, um, it will take you uh, many, many years to master the Force. And he may never, uh, he, he explains, it may take him many years to master the Force and he may never, may never see the Mandalorian again. Because Grogu, a short time for you is a lifetime for someone else. And so in essence, what he's saying is like, he, he Mando is going to die and you're still going to be a kid. Um, and so you might not ever see him again if you choose the way of the Jedi, and you're going to have to come to terms with that right now. We see Grogu looking at both items. Says, boom, smash cut, end of episode six. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, it's a very effective ending, and I think it's a necessary one, too. So 
the Jedi have been really portrayed pretty badly in the fandom, and even some of the new, some of the, the, the newer books in both the Legends and the Canon, as being just utterly out of touch, hidebound <laughs> bastards who have a completely inept kind of code or whatever else. But this kind of just shows that they have their principles, they are pretty rigid, they have their code, it works. But it's not like you're a slave. Choice is everything when it comes to this. And very early on, Luke wants to give Grogu the opportunity to decide what his own future is going to be. And I like uh, that. I think that's a nice touch. It shows a humanness to this, this whole, whole equation. I liked it. I loved it. I, I, I think it was Luke recognizing that Grogu was not fully present there. And basically saying, hey, look, if you're going to be here, you got to be here. But you don't have to be here, right? You Mm -hmm. can go. But if you're going to be here, I need you fully with me, Grogu. And I knew exactly what Grogu was going to choose. We all did. There was a fucking way he was staying with Luke. He doesn't even know Luke. Luke is this asshole who makes him jump. He doesn't like jumping. (laughs) He gives him the opportunity to learn how to get lots of frogs. Grogu likes that. That's awesome. No chance he stays with Luke. I really appreciate that they gave this scene to Luke rather than Mando. I feel like it's much more meaningful and it actually mm-hmm. gives Grogu a choice rather than if it had been Mando. I, I like that so much better that it's, it's again, this is one of the things I would love, love to have done more is that Grogu as an independent character making his own choice is separate from Mando. I'm with it for that. I just wish they'd given us more time to get for him to grow on his own. So our friend Jimmy, who joined us for an episode of the review of Book of Boba Fett, who will be back with us to review at least one episode of the Obi-Wan series. It's going to be awesome. It's going to knock it out of the park. That great series mm-hmm. it's coming. He texted me some of his thoughts because he could not be here with us today. So here is one of the things that he wanted me to pass along to one you, Spencer, and then to also to our audience, that apparently there is a theory online, um, as online gens- generally, generally tends to do, create theories, mm-hmm. That Luke made the decision for Grogu, that we got a cutaway and we didn't get to see Grogu's decision because Luke actually made it for him because he knew that in that moment and, you know, right now, Grogu needs to have family more than isolation. That is very important for him and his his psychological development because, and this is our friend Jimmy, the alternative is that he was a stupid ass idiot giving him a stupid shit option. So there you go. I think he knew what decision Grogu was going to make. And I think he wanted to, in some ways, paint what was going to be something that Grogu could someday return to. Because I agree that looking at this, how would you ever think Grogu is going to do anything different than what he chooses to do? I think that Luke understood that and was effectively giving him a choice where he knows what he's going to take, but he wants to let him know he's welcome and can come back kind of thing. I almost want to want to see that conversation off camera to have Luke tell him that, that I understand it's something you need to do, but if you want to come back when you're ready to come back, when you're in a stage where you can come back, you're welcome to. I'll look forward to it. I'm assuming that kind of happened off camera, and I think in some ways this choice is Luke kind of telling him that. I, I am... Sh- I'm pretty sure that Luke would leave the door open for Grogu. I don't think that he's Absolutely. like, hey, fuck, fuck off. Like, I'm not sure Grogu's ever going to come back. I, I think they'll see each other I again. I don't think he. I don't think Luke and Grogu will see each other again. So let's theory time. Let's theory time. I do not think that he's going to see Grogu again in a training capacity. I think he'll see Grogu again because there will be a battle that Luke will see Mando 
and Grogu will be there. Uh, but I don't I, think Grogu's ever showing back up to this pristine planet and saying, hey, hey, train me again. I think Grogu's done with that shit. No, I think Grogu's going to come back. I think he's going to be a student. And then I think he's going to get killed by a pissed off teen <laughs> off camera. And I think that is going to be Grogu's story. That is my prediction. The, that's another thing that's like running through this whole thing. Is that... that you want to talk Everybody, about every single one of Luke's students gets killed by Kylo Ren, and there is absolutely zero chance that Grogu was there when that happened. You, again, I, you and I have vastly different views when it comes to The Last Jedi. I still view that as one of the worst decisions for that to just happen completely off camera and just kind of hear about it in retrospect kind of thing, and have the new Luke order just eradicated by the pissed-off teen of Kylo Ren. It was a dumb decision which has painted them into so many corners, including this one. You want to know why Grogu's leaving so damn fast? It's so that they can reassure the fandom he doesn't get murked off camera by, by, by Kylo Ren. That's why they're doing this. It's part of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they can't have him die by Kylo Ren. They just can't have that happen. But I also think it makes sense with the character. I, I genuinely do. I don't think this is like hamstrung in. I just never... I thought he was always going to be like, ah, what about Grogu that we have seen? makes you think he wants to be a student for the next 50 years. Nothing. He is not that nothing. He doesn't have that personality. He's not dead. He's not like, um, no, I think he, I, 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 I think you're discounting that too much. I think Grogu has an instinctual draw towards the force and wanting to learn more about that aspect of himself and wanting to explore that more. And I think that's something that he's never going to be able to do with Mando. And I think that's, I think that is a certain degree of tension we've seen before that, He's in some ways trying to keep back that aspect to himself because he's scared of it. He knows what that aspect of his past is, but he keeps getting drawn towards it over the course of the of the course of the Mandalorian. I think you're discounting that aspect of our little Grogu. Jedi do not have a monopoly on the Force. Yes, he's interested in the Force. No, I don't think he's interested in being a Jedi. That is the uh, distinction for uh, me. Uh, I understand that, and I think that is going to hamstring him in that regard, or at least they have to kind of play it that way. Otherwise, you're rendering the Jedi utterly irrelevant in a way that I don't think is right or fair. Je no, no, irrelevant? I mean, no, they're one way. The, the Jedi is one order of people who tap in and use the Force, but they, they do not have a monopoly on the Force. They never have. So uh, they, he can, he can they, learn they, about they, the Force they, they away from Luke. They've kind of had a monopoly on the subject of training, other than a few very rare exceptions, usually which have not gone very well. Let's also remember that kind of data point, too. That okay, so the they... of the Jedi have kind of gone to shit or gone to evil. Yeah, this is this is where you, you, you're starting to get a little screwed up with the Legends canon and the new canon. Like, they've, they've made a very important... They've, they've drawn very important distinction that Jedi do not have a monopoly on the Force. Matter of fact, they released a book... Uh, two books, one on the Jedi and one on the Sith that you can get. It's new canon, and it's just it's just a book on Jedi history and a book just on the Sith history. And in it, they make a point of saying that like the Jedi are basically like the, like the Baptist or whatever of the Force. Like they're like the or the Protestant or whatever you want to say. Like they're just the really sort of intense people who yeah. who use the Force. <laughs> in a religious sort of life-dedicating way, but they're not the only people who do it. And that is very new, and it's something I'm still come, struggling to come to terms with. And it, I think it in some ways reflects that I think, the, particularly the modern canon, doesn't isn't particularly comfortable with the Jedi and thinks their fan base aren't either, and so I think they're trying to de-emphasize them to a lot of degree. Good. Um, I, I'm not with it, but I understand they're doing it. On to Chapter 7 in the name of Honor on the recap. Big what? focus on the Pike Syndicate and Boba trying to give, uh, trying to up his numbers. 
should we should we do our quotes or our nostalgic moments now, or should we do do them for the overall episode at the end? I was going to do it for the overall. Gotcha. Uh, I don't think the recap for this one will take very long. Uh, no. Start at Garza's place. It's in ruins. Uh, Boba and Finnick are checking it out. Uh, Mando walks in. They ask if he got foot soldiers, and Mando is very, very, very confident. I think too confident very, that they way are coming. Too confident. What about that conversation with Cobb Vance made you think that he should walk in there and say 100% they're coming? Yeah, literally, Cobb Vance basically just told him, I'll see what I can do, which is the classic example of, I intend to do shit, but I don't want to make you feel bad about it or tell you that directly to your face. That's equally plausible, but Mando seems convinced that he's going to come in full guns blazing. He's I'm really struggling right. with the name. I'm struggling with the name Cobb Vance. Because it, it, it's, it's too close to Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration from The Office. <laughs> It, it's, it's both too close to that. It's also re- overlaps with Cad Cad Bane too. This way Cad too Bane. many C. Yeah, they they overlap a little bit too much. And I saw you were str- you were struggling as much as I would in terms of describing the two of them in the same. Cobb Vance, Cad Bane, yeah. Um, Cobb Vance, Cad Bane, Cobb Vance, Cad Bane. Yeah, it's hard. Um, so uh, Finnick uh, doesn't. So basically, what happens is uh, Mando explains like, hey, they're coming. People of Freetown, you gotta come Freetown now. They're coming, but you got to get rid of the spice trade. And Finnick's like, no. Finnick is very much a Spencer-like logic. It's like, I know there's money to be made here. And Boba's we like, we need uh, revenue. We yeah, have people like, on our payroll. Yeah, and Boba's like, no. Like, we need to get rid of it because long term, this is a real problem for us because people are getting addicted to spice and they're dying, and people are, are we're killing off our people through this Which drug. Is, it's a shame that that's completely off camera. We don't see any of that. That is very much tell rather than show. And that really, it makes his decision not, it assumes we're just going to be immediately on board with his decision, despite the fact that they've not given us any evidence necessarily to support it. Yeah, I mean, I've just immediately like placed the people of Mos Espa as like, you know, like Appalachia and here comes meth. Like, you know, like I've, and, and so I've just bought into it, and I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, if a drug is ravaging your city, of course you want to get rid of it. Like, so for me, I've just completely bought into that. But I, I absolutely do get what you're saying. It's a very good point. And they haven't actually shown that. I think the reason I've bought into it so much is because I just know the drug, yes. what drugs are, and the impact the, of drugs. The right? Comparison to our world. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so it's a good point. None of that in terms of a motivation of the characters or Boba Fett when it comes to why they're making this kind of call right now. Because it's a big fucking decision. As as Fennec tells us, this is the majority of Jabba's revenue we're just wiping our hands of right now. It's, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very cool with Boba's decision to be like, yeah, we don't want to, like, import drugs that people are getting addicted to. But I do agree with you that they could have done a little bit better job showing maybe some spice-addicted people somewhere. You don't have to show people shooting up, but you can show some spice-addicted people. Uh, Boba tries to go, uh, Boba starts talking about... um, basically uh where he's gonna go uh before the pike syndicate show up and the cyberpunk kids uh tell him look dude you you're gonna have to stay here because the people need you to protect this city and you should stay here and all that and boba goes sure this feels i this is a weird kind of conversation they have right here i understand where the kids are coming from they have their motivation and they're also demonstrably idiots we've seen that before but dare you. if you want to protect the people, having a street battle happen among their homes doesn't necessarily feel the best way to do it. Particularly when you decide to bring a rancor later that just kind of ravages through their homes. It's like, their objective is not to kill the people of the city. Well, That's not why they're here. 
that was obviously the nuclear option, right? So, like, I don't think that that's like what Bobo it, it had been planning it, to it, do. It's, it's fine, but it's not like it's not like they're coming to eradicate the city. That you need to actually protect them in the streets. They're here to kill you. They'll go to you. In some ways, you getting out of the city is probably better for the city residents. You staying in the city in some ways is better than better for you because it suddenly makes them a street fighting they have to fight. So yeah, I honestly think this is writing, right? Because I think the way they write this is not, you need to stay here to protect the citizens because we haven't seen that the Pike Syndicate want to kill the citizens, to your point, which is a good one. I think instead what you do is you say, you can't retreat to your palace. It shows weakness. And even if you win this battle, the people will never respect you. You, you, you were copying my notes. That was the extra part of the conversation that just didn't happen. And that would have totally made sense. Even Finnick would have kind of you know, shrugged and went, eh, all right, fine. Yeah, it would be a dem- demonstration of weakness. We can't walk back. Yeah, cut to this stranger, Cad Bane, walking into mm-hmm. a room with Mayor Mock Shays and the Pike Syndicate leaders. Mayor is basically like, I want this over with. I don't like this. He is yeah. not feeling what's going on here. I have some sympathies for Mayor Mock Shays here because it mm-hmm. seems like he's kind of forced into this arrangement with the Pike Syndicate. Um, yeah, and then the Pike Syndicate leader starts to kind of flex a little bit in front of Cad Bane. He talks about how the people that Boba lived with, the, the Tusken Raiders, were, were killed, and they did it, but they blamed it on the Nico speeder bike gang. That is a ding, ding, ding point for Spencer. We, we, we've talked about this, I think we're both on the same page about it, is that, yeah, th- th- this seemed like something they were setting up, and it's a good writing kind of move. I think... This almost feels like, you know, in the expanded version of Empire Strikes Back of where, you know, the Emperor reveals to Darth Vader that, you know, you've got Anakin Skywalker as a kid out there kind of thing. I feel like in some ways they kind of missed their moment. I think it would have been a more powerful moment if Cad Bane, if assuming they integrated him better, reveals this to Boba and that's when we learn it in the later scene rather than having the Pike just kind of casually, you know, spoil it for us right here, right now. I think the worry is that, I think the, I understand what you're saying, but I think the worry is we would assume Cad was lying. Um, so we needed to hear it straight from the horse's mouth to know it was real. I agree. It does take a lot of the oomph out of it as a, as a viewer, because they, there's no, there's no real reveal. This was casually thrown in. Yeah. Um, very casually. It's very, I mean, it's, 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 it's accurate for how the conversation would have gone. The bikes are like, yeah, it's good business. Of course we did it. It took, it killed two birds with one stone. It was awesome right. for us. It makes sense that they're casually kind of talking about it. It's just a wasted opportunity for us as the viewer to have it be a more dramatic moment. Assuming yeah. the fan base still cares about the Tuscans at this point that we've, not really talked about a reference now for like three or four episodes. I do. I care about the Tuscans still. I want, I want I'm, revenge I'm, for the Tuscans. Um, the mayor says he won't have the city be destroyed. I don't know where how he's making demands. No idea. This is kind Nothing. of a, you have no power in this room. Right he's uh, a hey, he's sticking right his now. neck out. He's sticking his oh. neck out. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to applaud you for that, but well done, you bastard. Uh, the stranger says, the stranger being Cad Bane says, uh, he has an idea about how he can draw Boba Fett out from the mm. Garza Sanctuary. Cut to our favorite mechanic. Do, do they really need to draw him out? He's in an Adobe hut. Just hit it from orbit. Why don't they use ships at any point in this episode to do anything? I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're right. He could, they could have just blown the, blown the building up. I mean, Throw it seems like he's in there. a you building. He seems like he's in an empty building. I, I don't know. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Cut to our favorite mechanic, and this is one of the low-key funniest things in this entire series. Yeah. The X-Wing shows up and she flips her shit because she's like she thinks it's the police. She thinks it's a new Republic officer, and she's got this whole thing about I just filed those papers. Isn't it such a coincidence that you showed up? I actually was standing in line at the DMV all day today. Can you believe that? I got it all filed. Everything's good, officer. (gasps) 
Oh, it's you! And then she freaks out because that's right. It is Grogu in the cockpit. Our guy Grogu flying the X-Wing all on his own. Of course he did it. There was no way that R2 helped him at all. Uh, shout out to you, Grogu. Very good job for flying the X-Wing across the galaxy. Let's give Grogu a hand. I, I love that uh, Amos Daris just gives Grogu the credit and clearly one of the pit droids says off camera, I think it was R2. It's like, I know that. I'm talking to the kid, making the kid feel good about himself. Yeah. Uh, she also she also drops a line that is obviously breaking the fourth wall. It's for all of you people, not for me, all of you people out there. Grogu, whoa, that's a terrible name. Sorry about that, pal. No way I am calling you that. My, my laugh out loud moment of the episode is them acknowledging the controversy over that name. Very funny. They, they love to do I mean, Favreau knows the fans. He loves it. He throws that stuff in. Yes. Uh, and that's why sometimes, you know, like the, all the, the hubaloo about this episode and some of the criticisms about Boba Fett, like, I'm sure Favreau felt that deep because he he listens to the fandom. So he I'm sure he, he felt a lot of this stuff. Uh, she then fetches Grogu some food. Why? Because she's the only person in this fucking series who seems to realize that this kid has to fucking eat. It is unbelievable how no one lets him eat. And she's like, you know what? I don't care about anything. The kid has to eat. So shout out to her for yeah, that. Yeah, this is true. If Luke wanted to market the lightsaber better, he would have included like a filleted frog next to it or something. And Grogu would have taken that in a heartbeat. It's just every, all of these people around him will never let him eat. So she finally gives him a chance to eat. So thank you. Cut to the sanctuary. They're discussing their strategy. She says the Pike Syndicate has not yet arrived in numbers. Okay, but they're coming. Uh, but they have folks patrolling the streets so they will know when they arrive. Honestly, do you need people patrolling the streets to know when they arrive? Don't you just need to watch the the inflow of of airships in and out don't you don't you just need to look at like the transports I, I literally just bribe the ticket guy at the front desk and he would have told you everything and apparently it doesn't matter because they missed the info the pikes are already here anyway in force and they just didn't know yeah you don't need black chrysanthemum in front of the fucking city hall to know Alone, when people are coming in by himself standing out there just asking to get shot by somebody cut to this peterback gang um watching the transport and folks getting off of them the gamorian guards are there chrysanthemum's in trandoshan territory in front of city hall which i mentioned uh drash and scad are with the other mods uh watching the workers district of course they are bernie sanders you know the whole thing uh she then says uh when they get to the freetown folks they'll have enough strength to pivot to someone else okay great Detroit then tells uh, Boba that there is someone there to see him. Boba puts his helmet on and walks out and... Cad Bane. Second one of these two episodes, we get a little shoot-down situation with some tumbleweeds and whatnot. Cad Bane and Boba Fett meet each other in real time. It's kind of exciting. This scene kind of makes sense. They don't just shoot Cad Bane down directly. He's got backup. Why didn't the people in Freetown just shoot him? We know they have guns. It's like, he's literally alone and he's got his back to you walking away. Blast the bastard. You don't have to be Well, because the people of Freetown aren't there yet. No, no, no. Last episode, when he shot down their marshal and their deputy right in the streets in Freetown. Oh, they're terrified of him. They're scared of him. Sure, fine. It's Thanks. a collective action problem. If they all started shooting, yes, they would kill him. But each individual person is scared they're going to die. We are doing psychology very well in terms of explaining actions in these episodes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That is the explanation. In retrospect, they're all probably thinking, dude, we all have guns. Why didn't we just blast it? It's like, you didn't do it. I didn't do it either. Yeah, makes sense for collective action issue. Absolutely. Um, uh, what do we get next? Oh, uh, in this little little 
uh, tête-à-tête here with Boba and Cad. Uh, Boba said Cad is too late to get a job. Cad says, look, I'm there to negotiate on behalf of the Pike Syndicate. So uh, it's funny to me that Boba doesn't quite know why he's there. He's like, hey, um, I can't hire you, basically. <laughs> and Cad's like, no, nope, been hired, history, buddy. You know? Yeah, already already got a job. They trade some insults. Boba says they're outnumbered. Cad says the people of Freetown are not coming. He paid his marshal mm-hmm. a visit. You shouldn't have left him without his armor. Mm-hmm. Cad tells him that all this can be avoided if he just lets the spice roll through Mos Espa unabated. Boba says, no. What do you propose? Then Boba says he will not negotiate with him. He says, you mean the one who massacred a Tuscan family and bladed on a speaker bite gang? So he drops that, telling him, hey, you won't, you won't, you mean you won't negotiate with my boss, the people who killed all your Tuscan family and then blamed it on somebody else and tricked you into killing said someone else? Those people who are playing chess to your checkers, sir? Yeah, I, I love he even pulls a Darth Vader. And I think he even says, you know it's true. Search your feelings. Yeah, he's trying to get uh, Boba to lose his temper. Seems to be working. Cat offers to end it right there, right now. Let's do it. Me and you, one-on-one. Woo-woo, let's go. Mm-hmm. Finnick tells him not to do it. We fight on our own terms, not here. He, here's the thing. Finnick is right. You should fight on your own terms. That makes sense. However, if Finnick thought her boss could win, she might have to... I think she just doesn't think Boba can win right here. Yeah. And we... <laughs> And he can't like he is not as fast as him. He we get that gets proven later. He's they've also got like best as we can tell like five guys. Like is it really their own terms at this point? If this is what they've got to bring to bear, just like you're not expecting to negotiate. You're expecting there's going to be a battle at some point or another, and you think the Pikes aren't in force in town yet. Is it really that much outside of your terms? Just kind of start the fight right here, right now, when you almost have numbers on your side. I don't know. I think she's just, I think she knows, I mean, she, she is very well read and knowledgeable about the galaxy. She reads her Wall Street Journal every morning. She knows Cad Bane and she's scared of him too, I bet. I don't think she yeah. thinks Boba can beat him and I don't think she thinks she can beat him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure either one of them can at that distance. In comes the mayors. Yeah. Uh, then they then um, they, they end up, they, 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 they walk away. Cad walks away. Um, yeah. In comes the mayor's Major Domo who comes out and compliments Boba gets rejected then the biker gang tells him he needs to come to them something feels off and then mm. oh the locals attack all the locals attack the aqualish the trandoshans they all the three families they all turned on boba this is this feels very order 66 right it feels very much that and i kind of it, it, it's a twist we saw coming but i kind of appreciate it that it adds a certain element of tension that the things are not going according to plan and there actually is a risk that we're messing up Hell, we're straight up seeing a lot of his guys just die here in the opening moments. And like we saw at the end of the last episode, it raises the stakes. It gives if us you, the thought that there may actually be casualties here. Yeah, you're right. If you remove all the Grogu scenes, because I can't judge them fairly. But if you remove yeah. all the Grogu scenes, this created the most anxiety in me in the entire episode. When the locals turned, that was the most, that is the thing that landed the best with me of any anything they pulled in this whole dramatic battle sequence. That that worked well. I have some qualms with how they turned, like the fact that nobody goes after Black Chrysanthemum with a gun. They just kind of try to dogpile him. Felt a little bit weird, but mm-hmm. the fact that it happens and the fact it plays out, I'm with it. That was a very effective moment in the episode. Wookies can't take a blaster hit though. Like they have much more dense muscles than we and, do. And so we they, see it they later he gets shot like six times and just right. shrugs it off. Well, he doesn't try to get off. I mean, it, it hurts, but it it doesn't it doesn't like pierce the muscle in the same way it would a human. So they can generally it's not like Mandalorian armor, but they can generally take a few shots anyway um, sure. before going down. As opposed, fire will bring him down. But 
Absolutely, yeah. So it just takes more, basically. Um, then we see the the Gamorreans pork and chop our IP. Very very sad scene here. They get pushed right over a cliff. I feel very bad for them because they are they are the frontline workers. Uh, they're the ninety nine percent of the Star Wars universe here, the Gamorreans, and they get just goodbye. Right no, off I mean, cliff, dead. Honestly, other than Finnick, I was more invested in them than I was of any of other, any of his other followers. I mean, like Bre- except Bre- for Mando, whatever. He's, well, Mando's Mando's yeah. an additional new hire. Like the ones he's built over the course of the sure. series so far. Pork and Chop were ride or die from the start, and they were throwing yeah. themselves into things that were over their heads, but they were still loyal. And they do. I was watching this like the rest of them do. I was doing my my notes on this, watching it with my wife, and I literally was like, Sarah, look away. Don't don't look. You, this is the like the saddest part of this fucking episode yeah. is these two guys just get dumped over a cliff like it's nothing. It's, like, it's are you kidding really me? Brutal. It's brutal. They just they, they're off the cliff and crushed to death. It's rough. Ah, uh, yeah. But Disney just wants to sell merchandise, right? Huh? 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 Yeah. Well, See, they, I mean, did, they did something dark. Is uh, what I'm wait, wait, wait. This is still a Disney death. They fall and we don't see them land. We don't oh, see wanna, them actually die. You want to see the splat? One day. <laughs> This is the Gaston death and beauty and the best. Villains or characters falling off cliffs is old school how Disney does deaths in a way that is still can be Mufasa died that way. This is something Disney does a lot. It's even referred to in like TV trips as the Disney death because it happens a lot in Disney stuff. Hmm. Okay. Well, I still think it's a tough scene. It's pretty emotionally impacting. It is. is. Uh, Boba hunkers down in Garce's sanctuary. Uh, Boba gets the mayor domo, the the mayor's major major domo, to tell them where the Pike Syndicate works, and apparently they are headed out of like some sort of desert field office in Mos Eisley, capital of Tatooine. So Finnick takes off to go to them. Uh, Chrysanthemum gets pinned down by Trandoshans. This is to your point. I'm not quite sure why they don't just shoot him over and over again. They jump on him. They dogpile him. It's sort of strange. Uh, Maybe maybe they were shooting him and he ran to them. That's the only thing that would make any sense. It's riding themselves in a corner, kind of thing, of where he's yeah, they don't want to kill himself him. open in the in the middle of a square. It's like if they had just the same amount of guns that go after the other people with guns, he'd be obviously dead. And they just they have to find a way to get him away from that. That all the Trandoshans just decide to engage in audible combat and pull knives to go after him. Here's the thing, Favro, and I know he listens, John, John as I call him, John. Um, yeah, of course, close relationship. T every day. I'm going to speak for all the fandom here. I think I do a pretty good job of that on a weekly basis. You can kill Black Chrysanthemum. You can kill him. It's okay. You can. You don't need to work out a way to save him. You don't need to dogpile. Black Chrysanthemum can go. This feels like an example of Disney told him you can't. It's like pork and chop. Sure, they can go. Oh, no, I don't think it was. I don't think it was Disney, honestly. I honestly think they're doing something with him after this. Like, I think Black Chrysanthemum will be in episode season two of Book of Boba Fett. That's what I mean. He's got plot armor. This is a character yeah. that has a name and is invested in the outer lore in a way they don't want to abandon right now. But it doesn't feel very great and authentic about how they played out him right. surviving this. You hear me, John? You can kill Black Chrysanthemum. Then we see the biker, biker gang that Speed, uh, Spencer loves so much, favorite characters I of the episode. They get so They much. get pinned down. <laughs> they get pinned down. Fennec saves them right before she jumps on a speeder bike to leave. Here's my problem with Fennec, Shan. Uh, never takes an L. Ever. And... Mm-hmm. In this situation, you're going to take an L sometime. Like, she's almost, like, invincible. It's it, Like, I need to see her get punched in the mouth once. She, I mean, we did get to see her shot in the gut uh, back in back in uh, Mandalorian. But it was complete, but she, complete bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, it's never, like, you know, like, 
she doesn't. There's never been a dust, uh, Buster Douglas for Fennec Shand. Well, I need to see Buster Douglas in I'm, Japan. I'm very much with you. We need to see like Luke get his hand cut off and get emotionally crushed by his dad, kind of moment. She's a great character. A lot of people are invested. The actress does beautifully with it. She's great. But the right actress now, is great. But right now, she exists to kind of just draw all the awesome off the other characters. Like man, Boba, so utterly pales in comparison to Fennec, both in actions, skills, and deeds on his own damn show. Because of how awesome they painted her in a way that she could never fail. It's like, you've made a great character. Now make them human, please. Yes. This strong woman character. You've done it. It's good. Yes. She needs to get punched in the mouth. Um, it, that Metaphorically. Uh, but maybe maybe <laughs> physically, too. Literally I mean, she so. does fight. But, like, we need to see some weakness. Um, then we see the pikes walk out. Dum, dum, dum. They were there all the time, as Spencer alluded to before. The, the Pike Syndicate, they do have a lot of numbers. The Boba's intelligence was correct on that. Uh, they stand in front of Boba's hiding spot. A lot of people, Boba and Mando are talking. Boba seems to think all of his folks are dead, uh, which is not true. Um, Boba assumes Mando is leaving. Mando disabuses him of that notion. I says, I'm with you till we both fall. Boba, you, you buy into that bantha fodder? I do. Good. Funny, funny back and forth. Mando says uh, they have two choices. Wait until they get into a position to fight them. Fight on their own terms. Um, uh, or go ahead and fight now. Let's just run out there and just do this shit right now. Catch him unaware. Boba says he cannot leave the people of Mos Espa. Mando says, okay, then we're going to die together. Right. Me and you, ride or die. Mando is a ride or die guy. In comes the Major Domo. He offers to do the negotiations for them. Boba agrees, and then out comes this, this guy. He goes out, and it's a very comical scene where he um, starts to read this order, this bit of negotiation, I, Boba Fett, speaking as Daimyo of the Tatooine Territories, do present the following officer offer. <coughs> um, uh, I would. Um, these, um, these are. Maybe you should um, talk first. Um, maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, could we have lunch first? Maybe. Maybe yeah, a quick lunch. Yeah. They say no. Read nothing. You will leave this planet and your spice trade if you refuse these terms. Um, they, uh, the, the arid sand of Tatooine will once again flourish with flower fields fertilized with the bodies of your dead. Flourish Poetic. with flower fields fertilized. Boba came up with that right on the spot, so shut up, yeah. Boba Fett. Man also writes quick. It looks like he wrote like three words in that little weird stylus pad thing that they're writing on, but that man wrote out a sentence in a heartbeat. Must be like Mando, Mando, uh, uh, Mandarin characters, right? Yeah, you can do a character that's like a sentence. <laughs> yeah, a little shorthand kind of runes. Yeah, then we see Boba fly up, and him and Mando on their jetpacks fly out, and they start taking on all the pikes. Really awesome fight scene here, the two of them. They're up on their their jetpacks, and they're flying around, and they're shooting, and it's kind of hard. To, I mean, if you ever, like, um, look, as a battle expert, I've played video games before. It is not easy to shoot someone on a jetpack. This is, this is your duck hunt kind of moment right now. They're just going back and forth across the screen. The dog's laughing at you. Right. It's pretty hard, right? I, yeah. could, I could see how that would be difficult to, to shoot them. They eventually land and they start shooting. And we have this whole fight, right? And um, they are taking out an awful, awful lot of the pikes. But eventually, you know, they were they always going to get pinned down. They were eventually going to get overwhelmed. I will say them coming out in the air is, in my mind, the high point of the fight scene that is the next 35 minutes of the episode. I agree. It has some, it has some brief kind of you know improvements, but I think we're kind of going downhill from here, and we have some decided valleys we're going to see here in a minute, too. 
Yeah, they just keep coming. They're pinned down. They're being shot. And is that the people of Freetown's music? Yes, they it is. They got this badass entrance. It's like the Hobbit, you know, and the, the eagles flying or whatever. Here they come around the corner. Let's let's roll. Let's flow. This the Freetown music people are there. They show up. They give Mando and Boba cover and shoot, 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 shoot. And the shooting slows down. Mando says he was sorry about the marshal. Uh, says this to the bartender who is leading the group. He is now apparently like the, the Freetown like person that we know, the bartender. Uh, uh, either him or the unnamed black lady is being is now the leader. Because they, they're the only two, the only two we really get any focus on at some point. Uh, he says they didn't come here. Um, uh, he says they basically they came here because they had to, uh, yeah. because they have to protect the, their city. The, the planet um, deserves better. The planet like deserves better, which it does. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, and then is that the mods music? The mods, your baby, your ba- your buddies, the kids. Oh, really Cyberpunk. slow speeder bikes. I-, I love the speeder bikes get immediately destroyed because they're going at like five miles an hour as they're charging down the street. Yeah, the speeder bikes do get destroyed. Thank goodness those things Absolutely. didn't really didn't really fit in. Uh, and they start shooting some of the pikes, but they're coming in from the flank, right? So they're able to take yeah. out some of the some of the guys who were uh, sniping and stuff. So that was really helpful. And then is that Black Chrysanthemum music? We have a whole back. a whole get together, a whole reunion of Boba's gang, and he, Black Chrysanthemum shows up, and he's just flinging pike people left and right. I mean, he can toss. It seems to me that Black Chrysanthemum can toss a pike person at least fifty yards. That's what I saw with my eyes. This guy's doing Hail Mary passes with with, with humanoid bodies. Just t- throwing them around ragdoll style. He's also getting shot like ten times and just kind of showing off. Some appear to like, you know, female bo- you know female fantasy body armor just perfectly hit him in the one spots where he's got armor. But a few, he just, he, he's seemingly just shrugging off bullets that are going right into him. Yeah, I could I could throw that pike soldier over the mountains. That's what that's what our guy, Black yes. Santon says. Uh, shout out Napoleon Dynamite. And uh, yeah, he does get shot a lot. And and he does seem like really hurt. And Boba does say, you need time in the back we'll to tank. And it seems like tank. he does. Yeah. We think he's putting him in the back to tank. And then we learn later what the back to tank is being used for. Mm-hmm. Um, He calls him Santo, though. He says, welcome back, Santo. Black Chrysanthemum Santo. Is that what? Is that short? I had no clue. They caught me off guard. It's like, is that a little pet name we haven't heard about? What? Um, yeah, and then eventually the pikes pull back. Uh, and everybody starts to rejoice. Mando uses a scanner and sees two huge gunner droids show up. These things remind me very, very, very much of what we saw in episode one, The Phantom Menace, except they're a little bit bigger than the, the model that we saw in episode one, Phantom Menace, but they have the same two-pronged uh, arms yeah. that shoot and a really serious shield over them. Yeah. Like a really hard to penetrate shield. They're clearly inspired <clears throat> by them. They're, I, I agree, decidedly larger and they don't roll out to kind of appear on scene, but they're, hark- they're obviously hearkening back to them. They're a later model. Boba shoots uh, his back missile. So that back missile that's been with Boba all this time, he finally shoots it. And guess what? Didn't jam or nothing. Isn't it amazing? You know, whoever made the back missile needs to be making these HVAC systems, right? Because I swear to God, you turn your heater off for the summer and you turn that oh, thing yeah. back on in September and it is, it does not work. But that back missile has been sitting there for 30 years. One one button, it fires perfectly. Wonderful, wonderful engineering. He fires it at this thing. Big explosion. Guess what? It didn't get through the shield. Didn't get yeah. through the shield. 
They seem to be working on the idea that they can eventually just overwhelm these things by just sheer weight of fire. Clearly does not work the way they're hoping to, because they shoot a while to have basically no effect upon them. Yeah, this is the second uh, text from our friend uh, Jimmy that I will uh, I will share, um, who mm-hmm. said, um, yeah, he said uh, that we can't, uh, why, why are people still shooting the, 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 the shields, basically? Why are we getting the shield? I mean, there is background in the lore that a shield can be overwhelmed by sheer amount of fire. You can effectively either chip away at it or just by concentrated fire actually kind of pierce a hole in it. And we get to see that, that concentrated fire in a particular location does give you that kind of advantage. They're not really doing that. They're just kind of spraying and praying. But maybe it makes sense from an emotional standpoint that two really terrifying fuck-off things are coming at you. You have a gun, apply gun, and hope for the best. Because what else are they going to do? Yeah, they're pinned down. The thing is what? shooting them. They have to try something, and it, and Maybe. the only thing they can think to do is like, let's try to overwhelm them with the amount of, uh, you know, guns that we have at our disposal. Of course, that that's a, that, I I don't even like that comment. It's it, I I I'm sorry. I apologize that I let it in the record. Should have edited yeah. it first. I'm I'm with you on that. I think they fired too long to no effect. I think there would be a certain degree of pattern recognition happening. But the fact that they at least try to shoot it out to start, I, I'm not opposed to that in any degree. And the fact they eventually just go, fuck it, we gotta go, also works. They have Mando, to run at this point. Mando pulls out the Darksaber. I was a little shocked that the Darksaber couldn't get through the thing. That does not yeah, really jive for me. Yeah, yeah they, 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 We've seen lightsabers kind of cut through that kind of shit before. That felt yeah, weird. it would seem to me that the Darksaber could get through it. But, you know, this might also be a situation where the Darksaber is so heavy for Mando that he's not even... Using a lot of force uh, when he's trying to trying to cut through the the shield, whatever the case, it doesn't work, and he gets propelled back. Yeah. Um, so now we're left with Mando. Uh, or no, hold on. Um, Mando says uh, basically, basically run. We'll buy you time. Yeah, he says run, and then Mando uh, Boba says we need reinforcements, and Mando's like, "You are out of friends," and Boba's like, "I am not," and he takes off to go get one more friend. Mm-hmm. So now we're left with Mando and these big ass droids, and he gets behind him and he draws their fire. So he'll stop shooting Boba's army as much as yeah. he can. Can I, can I say something I kind of really hate that they yeah, play out here? And sure. I think they could have filmed again. I think it's just they could have filmed it better. The fact that these things are perfectly lethal until everybody's running away, and then they shoot no one, and they're kind of almost like purposely firing almost behind the group of buddies as they're running away, almost like they're trying to purposely move them in a direction. It felt kind of. It felt like they were pulling back from some of the things they were already doing. We saw earlier, like last episode, or this one, they were willing to kill people. But from this point on, basically no one dies that we have even the vaguest care about. And even some of the right. people we thought are dead are coming back. All right. So I'm a, another comment to my good friend John. Uh, John, here's the deal. <clears throat> you could have used the model that they did uh, in Game of Thrones, the Battle of the Bastards, right? Because yeah. in the Battle of the Bastards. They showed a lot of regular ass people dying because they had to, because it was a big fucking battle, right? Yeah. They needed more extras to just be shot. Because you're right. The, the, the way they the way they showed it on the screen, and I actually I did some headcanon to even get through it. Yeah. They showed it as these these gunner droids can't hit. They're 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 Shoot basically stormtroopers. They're stormtroopers. They can't hit a rancor. We see at various moments. Well, they do. They do shoot the rancor eventually, but yeah, they yeah. they they can't shoot the like. What they needed is about double the people, and have half of them just be shot during the course of fleeing, because that's what would happen, and that would be okay, right? And then it would be much more realistic. So that's what, how I agree with you. That's how they could have improved it. 
And even later, the blasters can't shoot through an adobe wall if they're able to hide behind. It barely even perforates the outside of the paint. It's like, guys, you're, you've, you've effectively built up the tension for the battle, and now you are wasting it with these guys being immune to any possible harm. Well, it's well, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty clear that these like these gunner droids do not have very strong blasters. They ha- they can't. Apparently. So yeah, so it, it maybe is like just kind of a souped up regular like human blaster is about kind of what I'm I'm thinking instead of like an actual missile or something, right? Um, so Chrysanthemum then tries to push his way into the force field, but he gets pushed back, mm-hmm. and then we see what? more pikes show up. Go ahead. I like that he shoots in one spot and we see the force field weakened in that particular spot and he tries to force through that. It's like, oh, there's actually a strategy behind this and he knows how to do it. He just, have, just doesn't have enough time. Yeah, it's a great, great call out. The mods try to take uh, Chrysanthemum back to safety. Why? Because the mods are awesome and we all love them. Cut back to Mando and our favorite mechanic shows up. She's here. <laughs> Woo! Amy Sedaris has shown up to the battle. Being drawn in a litter by a droid. It's awesome. She's got a little taxi. Um, you ever been like uh, you ever been like to Africa or uh, or India? The little blue taxis. That's what she's got. One of those little yes. blue taxis. Um, and uh, she's Mando. Oh, do I have a surprise for you? And Mando just screams, "Get out of here! Turn around! Leave! Get the fuck out!" Like I mean, you know, as he would. A very realistic. Yes. Um, cut back to the other droid. So basically, what's happened here is these two droids have kind of gotten separated because Mando pulled one away. Um, they eventually get behind a brick wall. This is the thing that it can't shoot through that Spencer doesn't like. Uh, and I, I think I shouldn't say it like that because it's a good point. Um, our favorite mod girl, which we all love, uh, and we hope there's a whole we, new series just on we her. We get some really bad dialogue happening in, the, in this particular scene between characters. Is they, you know, like, what do we do? We can't keep running. We fight here. It's just really kind of lame dialogue. We get back and forth. There is one part of the dialogue that I thought was good, though, because she does explain. She goes, I'm from here. I know this area. If we fall back anymore, there's nothing to hide behind. That's fine. And then we get some very, at the last second, kind of city ta- city versus rural kind of tension that felt yeah, like... Yeah, that whole thing was lame. They, they were shoehorning re- that in. Well, this, again, feels like, man, if you'd actually spent some time on this planet and with the characters on this planet, rather than spending two episodes doing the intro to book up the, the next Mandalorian season... It would have been nice if we actually got some of these built up and these tensions and these characters actually characterized so I give the slightest shit about them. Well, I care about Mod Girl, but... Um, oh, you and you alone. Congratulations, sir. She's pretty good, uh, but I, I agree. I mean, if you're in a you're in a firefight and reinforcements show up, I'm not... The first thing I'm thinking is not like, but he's from New Jersey. Like, come on. Oh. Nobody gives a shit. Uh, anyway, they... Eastern North Carolina? Oh, yeah. man, maybe I'll help you. Yeah, you're, you don't have tomato sauce in your barbecue. You're so lame. Um, so uh, they decide, yeah, we're gonna fight. So they, then they have this whole idea of like, go, like, like going up, uh, like as uh, snipers, uh, going up yes. uh, behind them on snipers. All right, cut to the um, Mando, and um, he's there with. Uh, he jumped on the. At this point, he's on jumped the on the back of the litter. Uh, or little taxi thing with yeah. Amy Sedaris, and she goes, "Hey, look who's here to see you!" And she flips back the, the flips back the the uh, blanket, and bam, there's Grogu and Mando. I love how Pedro Pascal asks this because he just like his whole body contorts, and he goes, "What? What? What?" It was again. This is this is one of the moments where my appreciation of the show went back up again during the course of this episode because that was well played, and Pedro Pascal does so well playing a guy without expressions to still convey emotion. 
Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of people have said, like, if he's going to wear that suit all the time, why do you pay for Pedro Pascal? Well, here's why, because right? Really Besides the voice, it. because he's really good at acting, right? And so he does that whole body, like, freak out. And he's like, yeah. what the hell? Um, but he does see that Grogu's got the shirt on. He's got the shirt on, and and Grogu forced leaps into his arms. He does. Oh, Grogu forced leaps into his arms. from Luke. Yeah, into his arms. And Mando tells him, I missed you. And they uh, they obviously, but he says, but I'm in a bit of a bind here, all right? So I, I've missed <laughs> yeah. you a lot, but we're in trouble here. Um, and then Mando finally like looks at Amy Sedaris and goes, what is he doing here? He's wanting some back, backstory. Amy Sedaris, the force works in mysterious ways. Very, very good. Very good. <laughs> the, the, this is uh, another way of putting this. The fan base know. insisted and we delivered. It's the right uh, way to say get that shit out of here no what she what she's saying is i have no fucking idea and x-wing just landed in my shop yeah. and i thought i was in trouble like i don't have, i don't know so she's just mm-hmm. basically saying i don't know give it up to god uh they get shot and um mando wow. little little obj here i mean one-handed laying out i mean you know like yeah look if i here's the thing spencer if if i overthrow you you know i and you and I overthrow you about five yards. I expect you to just run it out, right? Don't I don't expect you to die trying to get my, for my overthrow if I overthrow you five yards. Mando, on the other hand, Grogu was overthrown five yards. Mando lays out for it like a like any good any good number one option on yeah. a football team. I, I love Mando just lays out to make sure Grogu doesn't hit the dirt. The pit droids go into their little like compressed form so they're okay. On the other hand, Amy just hits it and bang, rolls. <laughs> bang. She takes a she takes a hit. Um, so they're pinned down, and then we hear a huge roar. And what kills me is that the roar scares the droids yeah. into stopping shooting. Like droids, uh, what do you care? They what? They would just keep shooting, right? Like they yeah. wouldn't. They wouldn't get scared of a roar. They get scared. Uh, also, the the rancor was back at the palace, right? That's where he went to go get it. Can I recommend that he instead get Slave One if both are back at the palace and you know the options are available? This is, you know, exciting, whatever else. It's our Godzilla moment. Air support would have been awesome here too. Yeah.